0: we may have the most informational interview we've ever had on the show thus far, probably in the last 10 years, I think. Dr. Raj Chand is the chief medical officer of Anova Fair Oaks Hospital. Kelly, probably the smartest guy we've ever had on the
1: show, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
2: Most likely. <laughs> Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you all about the vaccine. Yeah, you've got a
0: lot going on right now as the vaccine is rolling out across the country for COVID-19. Um, and we thought it, instead of us guessing what we thought people would probably most want to know, we asked our uh, family and we asked on our group text at 703-782-4519 questions about what people wanted to know about the vaccine. We appreciate you um, and your expertise being here with us today.
2: I do have a question. It's a little on the selfish side. We are um, a pod Family, my husband and I, and then I've got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. Okay. When we get to the stage of when we're eligible for a vaccination, obviously three out of the four of us are able to get it. Where my daughter, the youngest one, is not eligible. Sure. What What does that look like going forward? Is there going to be new um, updates on what's safe for children under the age of 16?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question about what does vaccination look like in kids. So the Pfizer trial looked at populations 16 and above, and we are studying the vaccine in kids under 16, but I think the jury is really far out on that right now. And I think with the pandemic, it's so hard to look, I don't know, nine months, 12 months down the road, because the world is so different on any given day. I think our focus right now is really getting the people that are in uh, phase one A and one B vaccinated, and then one C, and then eventually uh, from there. So I think while that's a really important question, I think it's one that's still being researched in kids. Well, My question is, the vaccine will be safe. Given what I'm seeing in adults, I think it will be very safe in kids.
2: That's that's great to hear. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, uh, who knew? You know, ten months into this whole thing, we would be talking about a vaccination. What a wonderful world that we live in. That it's just moving at
1: warp speed, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, Doctor, question
0: uh, from Erica in Vienna. What side effects can people experience? Are they experiencing? Her husband's a mailman in Group 1B in Fairfax County, so getting that vaccine, what have you seen as far as side effects?
1: Yeah, so the side effects, uh, and there's essentially three different vaccines that are out there. There's the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the AstraZeneca Oxford, but most of what people are gonna see right now is the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. And the side effect profile really is essentially very similar. On vaccine number one, it's usually that your arm is sore. And I've had both vaccines now, so I can speak from personal experience. I had the second vaccine on Friday. And what they describe in the papers is exactly what you see in real life. Uh, And I've heard from multiple friends who are physicians and nurses that their experience was very similar to mine and to what's described. So vaccine one, you're a little bit tired, your arm hurts. Um, and then that gets better after 24 to 48 hours. Vaccine two, people tend to have a little bit more side effects because your immune system kind of ramps up. And you really feel more like you have a little bit of the flu. Again, for 24, no more than 48 hours, almost everyone I've talked to and my own experience has been 24 hours, I felt 100% back to normal. But for that 24 hours, I was a little achy, some chills but I was able to go about my normal, normal day. Nothing, uh, nothing unusual. Got both shots. You're
0: like a pioneer doctor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We want everyone to be a pioneer and we've been very fortunate in Nova that we have had a really amazing rollout of the vaccine. We have a a center where we are vaccinating everyone who is in phase one a, and now, uh, eventually expanding that out with employers in Fairfax County and who are for one B.
0: Question uh, came in from Carol in Manassas. What will we be um, seeing? Will you be saving vaccine for the second dose or using it all now for the first dose? How does it work like logistically?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very common concern. Will there be enough for me in for the second dose? And the answer is absolutely yes. The vaccine supply is quite robust. But what one of the things that people don't understand is the vaccine actually comes from the government to uh, departments of health to health systems. So it's not that we're going out on the open market and buying this. Um, so, and we have vaccine coming in consistently at, at intervals. So we do not have concerns that we're going to run out uh, at this particular moment. The vaccine supply is ample and we're not, that's not something that we're really factoring given what we know about the vaccine supply.
2: Would it be a good idea to have an oxygen tank or a mask on hand just in case someone in my family contracts COVID?
1: That's an interesting question. Uh, I think the very short answer is oxygen tank, no. Uh, mask, I'm not exactly sure. I think maybe the ma- the mask that goes with the oxygen mm-hmm. tank is that yeah. what she's referring to. I think she's asking like, should I have a home oxygen Should I have train? a home hospital set up? And I think yep. the answer is absolutely not, no. Uh, and I can describe that a little bit for for a couple of different reasons. One what we're, what people are hearing about, and I think where this is coming from is every night people watch the nightly news and they hear about what's going on in California. They hear about uh, hospitals being in capacity, running out of oxygen, people in tents, all this type of stuff obviously causes a lot of fear and panic uh, in the American population at large. And COVID is a very regional type of disease and Northern Virginia is yet different than Southern Virginia or Western Virginia and certainly very different from California. Our healthcare system, especially at Anova, we have capacity, we're able to care for patients. None of the things that you're hearing about in the news are happening uh, to my knowledge in Northern Virginia, certainly not within the Innova health system. So that would I think not be a good idea. And also if you're at the point where you need oxygen, it's really important for someone who's a healthcare provider and professional to be monitoring you in case you need more or different therapies. So not the, this is not a DIY type of project.
0: That's a really great thing to hear because right, you see on the news, oh, California, and you wonder like, could it happen here? I know Anova's, you know, got such a great network across the region and also even working with other hospital systems. Yeah. It would have to be a pretty ridiculously catastrophic situation for us to get into the
1: situation California's in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that we're going to start getting past that a bit, because a lot of this surge, I I believe, has been driven by people getting together for Christmas, getting together over the holidays, the new year. And as we get further into January, my hope is that spike is going to start to come down. We see on the news
0: every day, like Virginia's uh, positivity rate is X and D.C. is Y and Maryland is Z. What does that actually mean and what numbers are like alarming?
1: That's a really relative. So what what it actually means is of all the tests that are being done that get reported to our health departments, what percentage of those come back positive? And that is, it really depends both regionally as well as kind of different numbers mean different things throughout the pandemic, uh, only because now the ability to get a test is a lot different. You don't have to come to a hospital to get a test. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was one of the I actually had a fever in March, middle of March. Uh, I woke up one day with a fever and I, I had to get a test. And the only place I could get a test was the emergency department. So I had to come to my own emergency department, get a test and be in quarantine for five days. But now you can get a test everywhere. Uh, fortunately, I did not have COVID. I had the flu. And uh, But that whole process is a lot easier now than it was in the past.
0: On to the next one. Uh, so Doug and Asper wants to know, if I get vaccinated, does that mean I am now immune to catching
1: COVID? So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. The vaccine trials in the Pfizer and Moderna trials, the vaccines are 95% effective for the period of time that was studied, which is two months or so. We think that in general, That at a very minimum, the vaccine should protect you for three to six months. That doesn't mean that it's not going to protect you longer. We are hopeful that it's going to, that immunity is going to last at least a year. And maybe this winds up being like the flu shot where we get it once a year. But we just, I think the jury's out on that. The answer is, can you just, you know, all of a sudden throw caution to the wind, uh, in the midst of the pandemic? No, I think masks, distancing, uh, being, taking appropriate precautions, washing your hands, all of that is going to be with us for quite a long time. But I think it does. I have been so impressed with the vaccine development and with the results of these trials that I, I mean, I worked in the emergency room yesterday and I felt so much safer going into COVID patient rooms, having had two vaccines than I did, you know, maybe even in November, let's say.
2: So this is from Jen in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah. We understand that Maryland and Virginia have different protocols of how they're doing it. But if we're, as in your knowledge in Virginia, do either of the vaccines work faster than the other? And do you get a choice of which one you're going to get?
1: Uh, the first question, no. no va- neither vaccine works faster than the other. The Pfizer vaccine is two doses 21 days apart. The Moderna vaccine is two doses 28 days apart. And the AstraZeneca, I believe, is also 28. I could be wrong about that. But, uh, the, and in general, our belief is one to two weeks after you get the vaccine is when your immunity fully kicks in. Uh, although you, in the studies, you do have some protection even after the first, but that, that does not mean that you should skip the second dose. In terms of choice, I imagine, I think most places there's not going to be a choice around which vaccine people get. They're going to get whichever vaccine their health department, uh, or healthcare provider has available to them at that particular time. And I would, th- this is not, uh, like picking a car brand or, or that type of thing, I would personally take whatever vaccine I could get my hands on.
0: <laughs> and There's uh, no brand loyalty. There's not like the Golden <laughs> Goose versus like the Nike of <laughs> vaccines. Correct.
1: Correct, yeah. This is, and all the vaccines do provide levels of protection and I think given what we know about the seriousness of COVID, the number of Americans dying every day from COVID, the long-term disease and impact of COVID, I would let my parents get whatever vaccine they could get first.
0: All right, doctor, this next question is a, I mean, it's, it's a smart one. The next question is super smart. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm going to let you yeah. go ahead and doctor this up. Um, So it's so fascinating to hear about vaccine as an mRNA vaccine versus how other types impact the DNA. Can you
1: explain that?
0: Anne's asking, but also mostly, I don't know what she's talking about. So can you really <laughs> explain
1: that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so... People have heard the word, I mean, DNA are the basic building blocks, the set of instructions by which our bodies produce cells, organs, everything like that. That's kind of the fundamentals. Messenger RNA, here's the easiest way I can think about DNA produces messenger RNA. That's, that's another piece of this. But for the average person, here's kind of what I think you need to know about messenger RNA vaccines. I think of it as, uh, literally it is a recipe that we are sending into the body, into the local cells in the arm, and that recipe tells the body how to crank out those spike proteins, those little spikes that you see everywhere on the coronavirus uh, images. That's, that's the fundamental mechanism is here, is that we put the recipe inside this little, what we call it, a lipid nanoparticle, but I think of it as a message in a bottle, and then that allows it to get into the cell into these little factories that produce protein. And we use that recipe to produce tons of these spike proteins, which then allows our body to create antibodies. And I don't know if that's too technical, but (laughs) that's perhaps the simplest way I can describe it. It doesn't impact the DNA. This is not gonna change your, this is not gonna turn you into a zombie or a mutant or X-Men or any (laughs) of those types of things. The other thing to know about messenger RNA is that it doesn't last very long. That recipe disappears, kind of like a self-destructing um, mechanism. And that's one of the reasons mRNA vaccines have been so hard to create until now is it's been hard to get the message to last long enough for the body to react to it. And these vaccines have been in production for 30 years. Uh, the, it's been a very long journey to get us here. We just happened to get lucky that this particular vaccine that this worked at this particular time.
2: We we, we touched on this a little bit in the beginning of the interview, but um, in your best guess, when do you think the rest of the population, particularly in Fairfax County,
1: that's what Mari wants to know,
2: will get get their vaccine?
1: That is a really hard question to answer. I I don't have a clear answer on that, unfortunately. Uh, It will be after the other phases of this vaccine. (laughs)
2: Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Another question from uh, Maryland in Silver Spring. We hear from Rebecca who wants to know why uh, you're confident in the safety and the efficacy, uh, despite the rapid time it it took to make it happen. You kind of mentioned it's been, you know, in the works for 30 years. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So these vaccines, whenever a vaccine is being built, it goes through certain steps There's a, what we call phase one trials, phase two trials, phase three trials. And the phase three trials are the ones that we pay the most attention to because they are in large numbers of people uh, and they're looking for how good is the vaccine and what are the side effects. And the speed of this really is kind of invention is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention type of thing where the whole planet needed this vaccine and our economy needed this vaccine. And so both our country uh, and the world at large made huge multi-billion dollar investments uh, in this vaccine and vaccine trials in these companies. And with that much focus, that many people, that many dollars being focused on creating these vaccines, that's really what allowed us to do this so quickly. I have read all three trials and I feel really good about the data that is presented. I think they look at diverse populations. I think they are very clear on the side effects. Uh, the trials have tens of thousands of patients in them. So the numbers are quite large. And now I believe we've vaccinated something like nine million Americans as of yesterday, if I remember correctly. And that's a pretty tremendous number considering that we really only started vaccinating mid to early to mid-December is really when these vaccines started rolling out. So that is it. And serious vaccine side effects, we would have seen them. So I I feel very comfortable about the safety of these vaccines.
2: Well, on that same note, um, we had a couple questions about who the vaccine is safe for. Yeah. So Seska, she's a cancer survivor. Is it safe for someone who had cancer? We also had some questions about if there's any compromised immune systems, are they safe to get it as well? Um, What groups should kind of not be the first to get it?
1: So the the people that were excluded from the trials were people age under 16, pregnant women, uh, people with a immunological problem, like uh, patients who are immunosuppressed or who are on medicines that suppress the immune system. Those were the groups that were generally excluded from these trials whether those patients should get the vaccine, really those those are going to be one-on-one conversations with their doctor because the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends the COVID vaccine for pregnant patients. And immune problems are a whole range of types of things. So I think that's really a one-to-one conversation. But in general, someone who's had cancer, unless you're on immunotherapy or, or you're otherwise immunosuppressed in some way, Absolutely, I think you should get the vaccine.
0: Talking to Dr. Raj Chand, the chief medical officer, right, chief medical officer of a uh, Nova Fair Oaks Hospital, we got actually surprisingly some questions from people. We didn't realize how many folks in our own uh, Tommy and Kelly family have had COVID. We've gotten like yeah. many people who said I've had it and I have questions now. If you've had it, how long? Kimmy and Lauren wants to know how long are you immune? And you know. Does it affect how long the immunity goes? Should someone who's had COVID get the vaccine? Where does that all fall?
1: Yeah, Kimmy asks a lot of great questions. There are a lot to unpack. If you knew Kimmy, she normally does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I can, I can see she's thinking, which is fantastic. So how long do you have immunity since you've had COVID? Uh, again, our thinking is really, and no one has an exact answer on this, but the, the estimates are somewhere between three to nine months for how, if you get COVID, how long does your body's natural immune, do you have some degree of natural immunity to COVID? Uh, That seems to be the general thinking. It's a pretty broad range, I recognize. People do also say that if you've had a more severe infection, you're more likely to have a stronger immune response and therefore probably more antibodies. And the, the other question, which Kimmy didn't ask, it, but I think we should touch on because it kind of builds on this, is a lot of people, as you mentioned, uh, have had COVID. And when sh- should they get vaccinated is generally one question I get. And then the second is, is when should they get vaccinated? That was Robin in Gaithersburg. She's next on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> so the answer is if you've had COVID, yes, you should absolutely get vaccinated. And it's because the vaccine actually produces a stronger immune response than the natural disease, which is really surprising. Cause in most diseases, the actual disease produces a stronger immune response. But we are, are thinking is that the immune response from the vaccine is something like 5X to 20X, the normal immune response from actually having the disease. So it's a very strong uh, immune response. You're gonna have a lot more antibodies by getting the COVID vaccine, which is why we say you should get it. The timing of that is generally recommended to wait at least 30 days. Uh, but potentially you could wait as long as 90 days, assuming, you know, we presume that you have immunity for at least 90 days. So, but I don't see any harm in getting it after 30 days. So doctor, we're in group 1B now. Uh, just so everyone knows,
0: what does that mean? Who is that? You know, how is it going to be distributed throughout
1: 1B and who are they? Yes. So Virginia is now entering phase 1B at the direction Uh, of the governor and the State Department of Health. And that is a very large group of people. And I can just, I'll describe the three, there's three big categories in 1B. There are people who are 75 or older. There are people who live in correctional facilities, homeless shelters or labor camps, migrant labor camps. And then there are the essential worker categories, which are huge. So if you think about police, fire, hazmat, corrections, workers, Everyone who works in K through 12 education, if you think you work inside the walls of a school, that's that category. People who work in food and agriculture, including grocery store workers, transit workers, manufacturing, mail carriers, uh, certain government officials, all of those folks are included in 1B. And so you can imagine that it will take some time for us to get all Virginians uh, and DC Marylanders who are in those phases, who in the, who are in those categories, to get them vaccinated. Uh, it's gonna take some time. We're gonna ask for your patience. Uh, and I think the more people talk about their positive experiences with the vaccine, with the experience of getting vaccinated, with how they felt, I think that will help us gain societal trust.
2: Tommy and I were talking about earlier this week, we saw the announcement that ANOVA is handling um, the vaccinations for Fairfax County. I'm sure you're doing a lot of other things, but it, specifically Fairfax County and all the teachers and administrators in the public school system and the private schools. Yeah. Um, logistically, the number is sort of around 40,000 people that that will start on Saturday. And I guess the prediction is for about three weeks. How do you do that?
1: (laughs) So we have put together a unbelievable operation uh, at our vaccination center. And that center has a full logistics team. It has over, I believe, 30 stations where we are vaccinating people. And we have the capacity to vaccinate, I believe, and this number seems to increase every time I have a conversation. But I believe it's currently something like 1,500 to 2,000 people a day. And that's, we're running, I believe, from 7.30 to 5.30-ish, so 10 hours a day, we're doing 2,000 people. Uh, And that is gonna expand. And we are looking at other locations, we're starting to open up some other locations. So we have a lot of expertise, we have a lot of team members who are volunteering their time, who are putting aside other work to make sure that our, uh, our communities are getting vaccinated.
0: Question on uh, one part of group B that you said, obviously mm-hmm. not asking you like the social or political why, but the yeah. medical why on prisoners, people who are incarcerated. Is it because they're just so close to each other? What What's the, like, the medical reason for that?
1: Yeah, the, the medical reason for that is precisely what you just mentioned, that they're a population where physical distancing is challenging. We know that COVID-19, if you think about most people in your friend circle, family circle who've had COVID-19, once one person in the house gets COVID nineteen, everybody gets it, and it's the same thing in in prisons. And we worry about the impact from a public health perspective that that would have uh, in terms of uh, those prison populations, and also then downstream on hospitals.
0: And if you live at the former Lorton prison, that doesn't get you in Group One B. Has been
1: active prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Dr. Rajchand, uh, the chief medical officer of Anova Fair Oaks Hospital. I cannot believe you put up with us for this long. But we, we, we so appreciate your time yeah. and taking the questions from our Tommy and Kelly show family. Um, they asked questions that we wouldn't even thought to have asked and I appreciate your patience and helping us get accurate, um, medically sound information out about the vaccine.
1: It's been a fantastic conversation. Really enjoy talking with you guys and you guys have such a great audience. Uh, and I would just say encourage people When it's your turn, get vaccinated and encourage your friends and family to get vaccinated as well. The most important thing that we can do to help our country get back to normal.
0: Don't be a stranger either. And my goodness, thank you for all the work that ANOVA and medical health professionals across the country have been doing. But last year, I can't even imagine um, who will play you in the movie. (laughs) Brad Pitt. Always Brad Pitt. All
1: right. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, doctor.